0: Isn't that awesome? Our, uh, our uh, office administrator, Rochelle, did put that together. So uh, she's a very gifted young lady. But uh, welcome to a series about heroes. A few weeks ago, Sherry and I went and saw the Avenger movie. I told you that last week. It was exciting, and they blew up a lot of stuff, which is always good. And uh, we loved it. I loved it. Sherry liked it. And, uh, but I bribed her with popcorn. And, uh, and we uh, went and saw that. And when we saw it, when it was over, we thought to ourselves, that was really good. But you know what? Avengers aren't really real. Some of you kids are saying, really? Yeah, that's true. They're not real. They're, they're fake. Uh, but we have some real heroes that we're going to talk about in the next 10 weeks. And most of the heroes are coming from the Older Testament, which is the first uh, 29 books of, or 39 books of your Bible. And we are going to share with you stories of these people, of how they are heroes of the of the faith in spite of their weaknesses, in spite of their problems, in spite of their own brokenness. We want to look at these heroes heroes. They are, they are imperfect. Now, uh, the real uh, superheroes, like Superman, who's my favorite, um, always has a kryptonite, right? There's always kryptonite that kind of stumbles them, makes them not as good. Well, these heroes of the faith we're looking at in the Old Testament also have their kryptonite. Do you know what theirs is? They're called human beings, okay? Every one of these people are real, life human beings. They did live, they did serve, and they were heroes of our faith. Now I want to tell you a story about uh, an opportunity for heroism. So there's a, a plane that was flying, a small plane, had four passengers, and they began to have engine trouble. As they did, it was obvious that uh, to the pilot uh, that uh, they were going to go down, and they didn't have much time to decide what to do. Uh, so on that plane, there were four individuals, there was the pilot... And then there was this uh, computer genius, uh, a, a tech guy that just kind of knew a lot of stuff about computers. There was a Boy Scout and a minister. Now, the problem with having four people on this little plane is there were only three parachutes, right? So uh, uh, they had to make a decision real quick. So here's a great opportunity for heroism, right? So the pilot said, listen, I've got two kids and a wife. I really need to survive that. So he grabs a parachute, jumps out the plane, Okay. Then the computer whiz came on. he said, listen, I'm not only the smartest guy in the plane, I'm the smartest guy on the planet. The world needs my mind. So he grabs a pack, he jumps out of the plane as well. Next, the minister starts to speak in a very humble tone to the little boy scout and uh, we knew something was going on there and so here's what uh, the uh, uh, boy scout said to the minister. He said, excuse me, pastor, Uh, there's no need to worry. Uh, The smartest guy in the world just grabbed my Boy Scout backpack and jumped out of the plane. So, So, good to go. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's the smartest guy in the room. And even our heroes are imperfect as well. So, uh, this morning, we're going to consider the very first hero that uh, we uh, selected. Brandon and I selected these months ago, and, and if you notice, there was a couple of women in there it will be very exciting to hear about them. But uh, the first hero we're going to consider is Abraham. Interestingly, Abraham is seen as one of the all-time great heroes of the faith. Uh, read Hebrews chapter 11. Now, at the top of your outlines, you can write down three things about Abraham, Right? Uh, The first is this, Abraham was rich, he was respected, and he was religious. Now we're going to use that as kind of an umbrella for looking at Abraham's life. He was rich, uncommon wealth, he was respected, high regard by his neighbors and other people, and he had a deep, deep faith in God. So he's a very important, very prosperous, very prestigious man in his day. So let's take a look, a little glimpse. Now, I'm going to be um, spending time, it was really funny, in the first service, uh, when I came to one of the texts, instead of turning to Genesis 16, I turned to Exodus 16, and I started reading that, and I go, this isn't right, you know, and, and then I just kind of totally lost it, so hopefully we'll do better this service, and we're going to be sticking only in Genesis don't go to Exodus, even if I do, and we're going to look at several passages from Exodus 12, Exodus 16, and then Exodus 22. I just said it again, didn't I? Okay, you know, okay, I got some new teeth coming in the mail. So uh, here, here we go. We're going to spend all of our time in Genesis. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis 12, and what I want to tell you, what I always say every Sunday is what? Read your Bibles. Read your Bibles. <laughs> this story of Abraham is incredible. Now, he's not only a hero of our faith, he's an absolute idiot, okay? So some of you are going to relate to him because you want to be a hero and you have to go through this idiot phase first. So we're going to look at Abraham and it started out as this great man of faith, this great sense of God's purpose for my life and it's wonderful and and I hope that some of you feel that today. So let's look at Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 through 4. This is the word of God for the people of God. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abraham was, Abram was 75 years old when he left Herod. Now, first of all, let me say this. Um, I'm going to be talking a lot about Abram and Abraham, so I'm just going to say Abraham. That's the name you're more familiar with. Abram's name was changed to Abraham in chapter 17. So even though we're a little bit early to that, uh, when God reaffirmed his covenant to Abram that, listen, this is what you're going to do. You're going to be a father of many nations. You're going to be a great blessing. Everybody's going to love you. Uh, We're going to just go ahead and call him Abraham from now on. So here is Abraham and this amazing man. And we want to talk this morning about three things, his faith, his fabrication, his failure, and then we're going to loop back to his faith once again. Because quite honestly... As followers of Christ, that's exactly what we do. We start off with this great faith, right? And then we goof up and we sin and we're broken and we do all these weird things. But God always says, listen, come back to me. Come back to me. I know you failed. I know you've dropped the ball. Come back to me. God's always wooing us to come back to him. So that's what we're going to look at today. So let's begin by looking at Abraham's faith. First of all, let me identify the problem, and we'll kind of use this format throughout the message. I thought it was a little bit different and a little bit interesting. So, Abraham's faith. Here was the problem. God needed a nation, a people, a family line to produce the Messiah. So right from the beginning, from the Garden of Eden, it was obvious that uh, God's, the human race, was going to mess up. Okay, right from the outset, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve had perfect Parents, perfect parenting, because their parent was God, right? And they still messed up, right? So, uh, and, and they sinned, and so right from the beginning, God, okay, you know what? This isn't going to work as well as I thought it would. Uh, these people need some help, and that help's got to come through a Messiah, through a Savior. There's no other thing that can help them because they can't save themselves, they can't redeem themselves, they can't be good enough on their own. So I'm going to find a way for them to come and be redeemed, and that way was Jesus. And so He said, in order for that to happen, I need a nation, a people, the Israelites, and through through that nation, that people, I will send the Messiah. So that was the problem. God needed a nation, a family line, to produce the Messiah. So here's the proposal. The proposal is, I'll start with Abraham. He's a man of faith. Abraham had this great faith in God, in Yahweh. His, his, he, he had this intense relationship with God right from the beginning, even when he was a younger. And, and now he has this, this great faith. In fact, in Genesis 15:6, we read these words. And Abram believed the Lord, it's a powerful statement, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. That's a very important passage in the Old Testament. Because of his faith, he was counted as righteous. He was not counted as righteous because he kept the Ten Commandments. He was not counted as righteous because he made the proper sacrifices of lambs and goats and sheep. He was not, all of, he was not uh, 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 righteous before God because he helped women across the street. He, he was not righteous before God because he was just a good guy. He was just a good guy. No, he was none of those things. He had no ability to be righteous on his own. He was righteous because he believed. You are righteous not because you keep the, keep the Ten Commandments, because you don't. You're not righteous because you're really a good person, because most, some of the times you're not. You're not righteous because you're the best person in the room, because you're not. You are righteous because, for one reason, you believe. You have faith in Jesus Christ. You trust in Him as your Lord and Savior. That's how you come into God's family, by believing, not by behaving. Okay? So let's get that straightened. And, 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 and Abraham was kind of the first sign of this reality that God is looking for faith and not just for good behavior. So, Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. So, through Abraham, this mighty nation would come, the Messiah would come, and God says, Listen, because of your faith, Abraham, I pick you. Did you know that there was a time in your life, if you're a Christ follower, where you felt God tapping you on the shoulder and said, Listen, I pick you? Not because you're the best person I know not because you're the best piece of my creation I've ever made, but I pick you simply because I love you. And if you said yes to that, then you have set on a journey of following Christ that is unbelievable. That's exactly where Abraham was. God says, I pick you. I've got a great work for you. I've got an amazing thing I want you to do. I want you to be the father of many nations. I want you to be the family lineage through which the the, the Messiah comes. You know, hundreds of years later, I want you, Abraham. And the reason I pick you it's not because you're really cool, or you have a great beard, you see the cover of our bulletin, really cool. No, no, it's because you believe. Because you believe. And so that was why he was picked. So Abraham believed. Now, what was the price of Abraham following God? The price was this. God said, I want you to leave your country, I want you to leave your culture, and I want you to leave your kin. <laughs> High price. Leave your culture, your country, and your kin. The price of following God was enormous for Abraham let me be real honest with you for a moment those of you who have said yes to Jesus uh, you've surrendered your life to God if you don't already know this let me tell you the real truth about this it's going to cost you (laughs) and it's going to leave a mark in a good way but it's going to leave a mark when you follow Christ you are going the opposite of our culture And so you're going to run into some bumps and bruises. It's not going to be easy. The television preachers that tell you if you follow Christ, you'll be healthy and wealthy, they're lying. You might have some experiences in those realms, and God bless you, and that's a wonderful thing. But there's no promise that you're going to be wealthy and healthy. There is a promise that you're going to come and die to your sins. There is a promise that if you follow Christ, it's not going to be easy. There is a promise that, listen, if you say yes to me, I want you on my team, I want you as a soldier, and it's going to hurt you. God says, "Listen, this is not easy when you follow me." I remember when um, Sherry and I uh, first felt called to the ministry; it was 1974, and uh, we were we packed up our 1972 Volvo. We filled a four by eight U-Haul trailer with all of our worldly possessions, and I mean all of them, uh, including a king size bed that was like that for the rest of its life, and uh, and we moved to Chicago, Illinois. You know. Abraham went to Canaan. We went to Chicago. I think we had the worst deal. No, I I don't remember that. But you know what? We left our family. Um... I left my, really basically my education, I had a degree in mechanical design engineering that uh, I loved my schooling and my job that I had, but I left all of that behind to go and pursue this. You know, and not all of you are going called to the ministry like that, but all of you are called to leaving something behind. Maybe it's your ego, maybe it's your plans, maybe even it's your family, but God says, listen, it's going to cost you. Jesus said, come and die. Die to sin, die to self. Now, imagine what Abraham was thinking. This is great when I think about this. So Abraham's packing his camel. He's got lots of stuff, right? So he's, he's a wealthy man. So he's got camels, and he's got his family, and he's told them all, we're going we're gonna to go on a trip, okay? Where are we going, Dad? You know, well, you know, I'll let you know when we get there. And so they're packing, because he doesn't know where they're going. So he's packing his camel, and so his neighbors come over and say, hey, Abraham, uh, what's going on with you guys? Uh, he said, well, we're, we're moving. He said, well, where are you going? I have no idea. Well, when are you when are you when are you going to get there? I don't I don't know. Well, what are you going to do when you get there? God hasn't told me yet. Well, when are you coming back? Never. Can we have your condo? Of course, you know, cuz you know, cuz we're not going to use it. Any, you know, can you imagine what that was like? I'm leaving everything. Everything. That's the kind of faith that Abraham had. That's the kind of faith that God wants for you and for me. It's like saying, okay, God, your plan is this way, and I, I, it doesn't make sense always, and I'm not sure if I really totally buy into it, but your plan is to go this direction, and I, and I Lord, give me the faith to go this direction. Give me the faith to go this way when I want to go that way, or I want to go, help me to know that this is the way I should be going. Romans 4.18, reflecting back on Abraham, says these words, Paul wrote these words, against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed and so became the father of many nations. Against all hope, in hope, he believed God. And with that kind of faith came the promise that God gave to him. So here's the promise that God gave. Abraham, you will be the father of many nations nations. Read uh, the whole chapter 12 uh, when you get home today. It's an amazing chapter. God makes this promise. Listen, Abraham, I pick you. I choose you. I don't choose you because you're cool or anything. I choose you because you have faith. And here's what I need you to do. I'm going to bless you with a a son. I'm going to bless you with a child. And and, uh, through your lineage, uh, there'll be hundreds and hundreds of descendants. And through your people, there will come a Messiah that will save the world. How's that, how's that? Does that sound pretty good to you? He said, yeah, that sounds awesome, you know. And so Abraham said, okay, I believe, God. I'll do anything. You tell me what you, I will do anything. So Abraham, uh, you do this my way. Abraham, are you listening? Yeah, yeah, I'm listening, yeah. I'm still thinking about uh, when I'm gonna get to Canaan. Okay, Abraham, are you listening? Okay, what do you want me to do? Okay, I want you to, to, to follow my path. Do, do it the way I've told you. Someday, and I'm not gonna tell you when, I'm gonna give you a son. Remember, Abraham was 75 years old when this started. His wife was 65, and he's promising them. His, so Abraham's thinking, man, this could be a miracle, right? But let's, you know, let's go. And uh, so he said, we'll get, we're going to do this, and when you get there, I um, uh, just follow my plan, and everything will be great. You'll have an abundant life. You'll have a life that you can't hardly believe. Everything was set. Abraham was set. He was ready to go. And then we come to a turn in the road. That's what I call Abraham's fabrication. Let, let's turn back in your Bibles to chapter 12 of Genesis. Okay, make sure I get the right book. Uh, yeah, there's Exodus, it pops up again. I think the devil's after me. Okay, and uh, here's Genesis chapter 12, verses 10 through 12. Listen to these words. At that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan. So Abraham and all his entourage, they're moving towards Canaan. Canaan later became Israel. Okay, so that's the land that they're going to. So moving towards Canaan and uh, the line of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner. Okay, it says forcing him. What forced him? Did God force him? No, God had nothing to do with this. Um, the famine forced him, he thought, to go down there and uh, went down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarai, look, you're a very beautiful woman. By the way, guys, if, you're, gals, if your husband says that, hold on. I'm not sure it's not, not always a good thing, right? Uh, uh, you're a beautiful woman. Uh, uh, when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is um, his wife, let's kill him, then we can have her. So we're going to talk about that in a minute. But that's what we find in this passage. So here's Abraham's fabrication. First of all, let's acknowledge that he didn't follow God's plan. God's plan, listen, head to Canaan, And I'll tell you what to do once you get there. Abraham had a different idea. Different idea. Okay, this doesn't work because in Canaan, they're really mean people, okay? And there's a drought there. And there's not a drought in Egypt. And so I'm gonna go down to Egypt instead. So he made his own path. God says, stay on this path. I'll tell you where to go as soon as you get to Canaan. Abraham said, no, I'm gonna go on this path. Not only did he do that, uh, by the way, when God gives you a test, And He will give you tests all through your life. When God gives you a test, um, if you fail that test or if you fail to take that test, He's going to give you a makeup test. And teachers, makeup tests, what? Are always harder. (laughs) Makeup tests are always harder harder. So God gives him a test. Go to Canaan. Uh, I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to go to Egypt. And then he gives him another test. And he gets down to Egypt. And here's these. The, he's, he's afraid of all these things that are going to happen to him. And so uh, he makes this proposal. He said uh, to his beautiful wife, uh, uh, Sarai, we'll call her Sarah, uh, say you are my sister. Now, it says say you are my sister because that way they can have you and they won't mess with me. Can we say this and really think this out loud? What a snake in the grass. What an absolute snake in the grass Abraham was. Listen, women aren't all what they are stacked up to be back in those days. That's what they said. Women aren't important. They're not the same as men. So we'll sacrifice Sarah. I'll survive because I'm Abraham, right? I'm really the guy. And so this path that God put him on, he's off on this path. He's off on this rabbit trail. It is a mess. So God gives him a test. He fails it. He gives him another test with his wife. He fails that. So he fails the second makeup test. And here's what, here's what Abraham says. He says, honey, um, you know, God's promised this, but apparently he's forgotten about us or he doesn't really care. Uh, so I chose to go towards Egypt and now we're kind of in trouble, and these guys want to kill me, so why don't you act like my sister? They can ravage you and have you sexually, whatever, and then when it's all over, I'll be spared, and, uh, you know, everything will be all good. Now, what do you think you would say to that kind of a proposition? Well, women in those days didn't have much of a say of anything, right? But Abraham, again, what a snake. I mean, I just can't get over that he would do that. And, and so he decided the best way to go, first of all, the best way to go, instead of going to Cana, Canaan, Let's go to um, Egypt, and instead of telling the truth and asking God to help, let's tell a lie. Now, there's a great idea, right? So his second test is, he answers the second test by saying, let's just tell a lie. Now, to his credit, 91% of Americans today lie. Two out of three say it's not wrong to lie, and only 31% of Americans believe that honesty is the best policy. Abraham is our father in this. He said, okay, here's a good idea. Let's lie. Let's not only do what God says, not do what he says, let's also lie. So what price did he pay? You can put this down in your notes. What price did he pay? Well, there's a couple of prices. Pharaoh and the Egyptians paid the price of a tremendous plague, physical plague. Thousands, perhaps, we don't know how many, thousands of Egyptians died from a plague that was brought on because of Abraham's disobedience. Consequences. Um, if you go and talk to our children over here on this side of the room, and you use the c word, consequences, what do they? What do they all do? They cringe, right? Parents, they hate it. They hate the word consequences because that means that they're going to have to pick doing something they don't want to do, right? And consequences. So Abraham's actions had consequences. I'm not going to go to Canaan. I am going to lie about my wife. And so here's the consequences. The Pharaoh and the Egyptians had all of the sickness, all of the disease. What was Abraham's consequences? He got Sarah back. And she was mad. <laughs> you would expect she was mad. Now again, women had no place in those days, so you know, there's not much she could do. Uh, so uh, Abraham took, took her back, but she is mad. Look at what you did to me. You, and she doesn't say it, but that's what she's thinking. And so you can imagine how that, that homecoming is, right? You know, uh, hey honey, I'm home, you know, uh, you're back from uh, being ravaged and I'm, my life is saved and uh, here's some flowers and how about if I make dinner? Uh, it's no wonder they didn't have kids for the next 20 years. They probably didn't have much of anything for the next 20 years. And so uh, uh, God said, you know what? You, You have put yourself in this position. You have hurt the one woman that I have given you that I promised that I would give you a life with and you have abused her and you have misused her and you are in serious trouble. Abraham's lie and his makeup tests, one and two, he failed miserably. That's our hero. That's our hero. Look at what happens next. This is the point in the sermon where I turn to Genesis 16, not Exodus 16. Okay, Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 6. Listen to these words. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children, blaming God. God would have said, why don't you just wait? I made you a promise. You're not dead yet. I mean, have a baby at 65, have a baby at 85. Same thing. Come on. P- trust me. And so she said, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. There's a great idea. You know what? I, it doesn't say it in the text, but I have, a se- I have a feeling in my gut that she knew exactly what she was saying. And she said, I'll, I'll get back at you. <laughs> I'll get back at you. I want you to go and have sex with this Hagar and see what comes out of that, right? So that's kind of my sense. I don't know that that's from God, but that's what I kind of feel. So the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. Again, what a snake. It's at, at that point, husbands, what are you supposed to say? Oh, honey, I could never do that. You're the only one for me. I would never ever look at another woman. Why on earth would you want me to do? I would not, usually the most precious thing to me. I would, but no, Abram says, okay, okay, you know, let's go. And Abraham agreed with Sarah's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sex relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. When Sarah, Sarah Sarah said to Abram, "This is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show you who's wrong, you or me." Abram replied, "Look, she's your servant, so deal what a snake. If she's your servant, so you deal with her as you see fit." Then Sarah treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. Abraham, yeah. Okay, so he brought all this on to the whole family, right? Women have no status. And he's saying, okay, it's your fault, Sarah, uh, so you just go do everything. It's like Pilate washing his hand. I don't want to have anything to do with this. Again, what a snake in the grass. And this is the hero of our faith, right? What happened to his faith? Well, I'll tell you what happened. He said, God said that way? No, nope, I'm going to go that way. God say, tell the truth? No, nope, I'm going to lie. Uh, God says, take care of your wife and treat her with respect and love and honor. He said, no, nope, I'm going to do it this way. And guess what he gets? Abraham's failure. The problem is this: there's no son. The proposal, go sleep with Hagar, <laughs> which devalued Sarah again. And you just say, okay, what a brilliant idea that is, right? Now, again, Sarah suggested this, but my gut tells me that she knew exactly what she was doing. And she said, I'll show you, you know, <laughs> Abraham. Abram's response, oh, I couldn't, you know, of course I'll do that. And And then the price was resentment and rebellion and rivalry and rejection. What a mess our hero made of his life because he wouldn't listen to God's plan. He said, I've got a better idea. I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm going to do it my way. Now, I'm speaking to you and to me now. You know exactly what I'm saying. God says, listen, I've got an amazing plan for your life. I want you to live a life that is so filled with significance and joy and blessing and God's love. I've got something for you. And, and, and go this way. Go on this path. Follow me, love me, trust me, listen to my word, do what my word says, make all these choices, do all of and if you do that, you'll have this incredible life. It won't be easy, but it will be amazing. And God says, follow me. But so many of us have said, you know what? I'm kind of like in Egypt right now. Over Canaan. I'm kind of thinking if I tell a little white lie, nobody's going to notice. I'm kind of thinking that I'm, I'm tired of my wife. Maybe I should try a different one. And we have all these ideas and we think that we should do something else. The bottom line is God says, listen, when you choose to follow me, choose to follow me. When you, when you choose to get married, you choose to stay married. You choose to be faithful to your wife. When you make a choice, choose. Hagar became pregnant. She flaunted it before Sarai. Sarai hated her. And then she cast Hagar and her 13-year-old son, we haven't talked about him yet, out into the wilderness. And that 13-year-old son was named Ishmael. Ishmael became the father of all of the Arab nations that are still... boiling and roiling in hatred for the Israelites and all of this started because Abraham said I've got a better idea everything changed in the world because Abraham said I've got a good idea I'm not going to Canaan I'm going to Egypt I'm not going to love my wife I'm going to sacrifice her I'm not going to tell the truth somebody I'll get in trouble I'm going to do it my way and we find all of this because there were consequences to the choices we make. Make sure when you choose, you choose wisely. So this boy Ishmael, by the way, his name means a wild donkey. <laughs> we have some of those over in the children's department. And this enmity between the Arab nations and Israel and all of those countries that support Israel, right? We know that. The enmity between these are because of that initial decision that says, you know what, I'm going to do it my way. Then there was a final exam. And because of time, I'm not going to read the text. You can read that at home. But uh, the final exam was, so Abraham finally settles down. He finally receives God's love and provision and forgiveness. And he has a son. And that son's name is Isaac. And he's a beautiful boy. And God's, yeah. And and can you imagine how Abraham having this child when he's 99, and uh, uh, Sarah is uh, probably what 10 years younger, 69 or or, uh, 89, whatever. And so they have this child, and he's beautiful. And they said, God, you promised that we would be parents, and that we would have a grand nation, and everything would be amazing. It's coming true, in spite of my sin. In spite of my choosing to do it my way, God, you forgave me and you graced me and you gave me a second chance. Thank you. How can I thank you enough? And God says, wait a second, there's still one more exam. The final exam. Okay, and Abraham says, listen, God, I failed you so many times before, I promise you, I'm gonna pass this one. (laughs) Whatever it is you ask, I don't know what you're gonna ask. You know, if you want me to do turn left, I'll go left. If you want me to turn right, I'll go. Whatever you want, God, because I love you. You You've redeemed me. You have forgiven me. You have given me life. You have delivered me. God, I will do anything for you. And God says, okay, do you really mean that? Absolutely, I mean that with all my heart. Okay, here's what I want you to do. Take your 12-year-old son, Isaac. Take him out in the wilderness. Thrust a knife in his heart and use him as a Sacrifice. Abraham says, what? That doesn't seem very godlike. That doesn't seem very nice. Why would I do that? He didn't even ask that question. Do you know what the Bible says? Abraham took his son and went into the wilderness. There's no other commentary around that. There's no other, oh boy, I can't, oh, you know, but God promised my son, now we don't know. What if we have kill him, and then what? You know, none of that. He just simply obeys. This is the final exam. It's the toughest one of all. The final is always the toughest exam. And Abraham takes his son out there with tears in his eyes, I am sure, streaming through his beard and he raises that knife to thrust it into his son and God says, wait. You finally learned to do what I ask you to do. You finally learned that my way is always the best way for you. You finally learn that when I ask you to do something, I have your good and the good of the nations before me. I know, and if you just simply obey me, I know you're going to fail sometimes, Abraham. I know sometimes you're going to mess up, but this shows me your heart. God sees the heart of Abraham, and for the first time, Abraham's heart says, no matter what God asks of me, even if it doesn't make any sense, I will do. That's the man of faith that God has called and the man of faith that we call a hero. He wasn't perfect by any means, but he was a man of faith who finally said, yes, on the altar of God, yes, I will do whatever you say you want me to do. God is calling you to that kind of faith. He's calling you to live that kind of life. I'm sure that if Abraham had a conversation, or if God had a conversation with Abraham, it would have been something like this. Abraham Listen to me. And Abraham said, Yeah, I'm listening. No, God says, no, really listen, because the other times you didn't listen very good. <laughs> Abraham, listen to me. I only want what's best for you. I never ask something of you that's not the best for you and that's the best for those that you love. But if you keep inserting your will, if you keep playing God, if you keep doing things your own way, all the consequences not only ruin you and your family, but it'll ruin nations. Listen, Abraham, I care for you. I always care infinitely more about you and your character than I do about your comfort. Trust me. I don't expect you to be perfect. I do expect you to be obedient and recognize the love and the grace that I will always have for you. Later in 2 Chronicles, uh, it says uh, the writer of 2 Chronicles said that Abraham was called a friend of God. Isn't that beautiful? This guy that was such a snake for so long, this guy that messed up so many times, was forgiven and redeemed and still given the promise of God. He was a friend of God. His word to you, to me, I love you. I forgive you. I will use you. But obey my voice and we'll have an amazing life together. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, what... An amazing opportunity we have to serve you. You've redeemed us. You've called us. You've delivered us from our sins. You have promised us eternal life. All of this is ours in Christ Jesus. And you simply say, listen, you you, you just got to trust me. I've got this plan for your life that is amazing. It may look difficult. It may look hard. It may not even look like what you anticipated, but this pathway I have for you is amazing and if you hear my voice and follow me, I promise you we will have an amazing life together. So Father, may we as your children hear the voice of God and recognize the path that you have placed before us so that we may love you and serve you. And just like Abraham, in spite of our weaknesses, our frailties, and our foibles, that we can say that we are children of God who have been used by God to be heroes for his kingdom. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.